between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Thank you for this table that you have set before us. Father, we thank you because with joy are we going to draw waters this evening. Thank you for the mercy that awaits us. Thank you for the goodness that awaits us. Thank you for this appointment which we have tonight with you. Thank you, Father. You said the expectation of the righteous will not be caught short. Lord, we are hoping on you tonight that again you will come and bless us. We bring our hearts with humility and with brokenness and with reverence in your presence. Father, I ask you will help us to find the food, the pasture, the blessing, the provisions which you want us to have tonight. We ask that you would bring the blessing of utterance, the ability, Lord, to use, navigate through the scripture to find landmarks of blessing. I ask that every heart will be blessed, that every soul will be blessed tonight. I yield my heart, I yield my vessel, I yield my being to you, my Lord. Use it, Lord, this evening for to connect the spirit, to connect your spirit so that we can feast tonight and so that we can be blessed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the waters, these waters that brings the thought conversation about your love, that wonderful love which you have to share, which will call us to partake in by understanding. Father, may tonight be another great opportunity to advance into that privilege, that into that love. I'm asking for encounters, deep encounters, deep encounters for every heart. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Release, release, release the spirit. Release the spirit. Spirit. Thank you. 
Rakatin, Ramasatania, Lalasi Pata, Venisa Prata Gadoshte, Prefetosi, Mefrecasata, Diana Manosi, Pania Noshte, Pretave, Sabrata Menosi, Cadioshe, Papa Baba Baba Banatanita, Eveposa, Mafratelia Nosi, Cadia Noshte, Esi Prata Venosi, Prata Menosi, Cadi Menoshte, O Mamma Ma, Mecata, Melia Sopane Venota, Ekesti Vrano Mosetelia for it's time for to see me again. I am appearing again. I am appearing again. I am appearing again. I am appearing again and I am here for to write upon your heart. I am here for to write upon your heart. For the shedding of the light is the writing upon your heart. For I am shedding my light for to write upon your heart. For you will see me. You will see me. You will see me tonight. I have come for to manifest myself to you tonight. I have come for to manifest myself to you tonight for we are here you are here my yeah menose mefenate prestifre tosse penny anoshte a criose penina tenita lita 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 alipa kazate de for as my light comes i am writing on your heart i am erasing writings and putting my writings upon your heart for that is how you see me that is how you see me for i am bringing light for understanding i'm bringing light for understanding for more understanding that will begin to orchestrate your working, that you will begin to work in my life, that you will begin to work in my life, that you will begin to work in my life, and the product of my light is my love, and the product of my light is my love, my love, my love. These are the people that are my love, those who have written upon their hearts, and these are those who call for me to come. These are those who call for me to come. I am here for to write upon your heart. I am here for to write upon your heart, says the Spirit of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I'll read from Thank you, Jesus. Uh, From verse 1, it says that let not your heart be troubled. It says you believe in God, you should Believe also in me. And in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare what? A place for you. Amen. Please just say to someone beside you and that I'm happy to see you. You're welcome tonight. Ask them, are you ready to be blessed? (laughs) Praise God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and I will receive you unto myself so that where I am that there you may be also and whither I go you know and the way you know praise the Lord 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse, verse 9, have I, been, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? That was after Philip asked him in verse 8, he said, Lord, show us the Father, right? And it sufficed us. Now, of course, when Philip was saying, show us the Father, Philip was trying to see the Father the way he was seeing Jesus. Right? So, but he couldn't see the Father that way. And Jesus had been speaking about the Father. The way Jesus spoke about the Father, you feel that you should be able to see him just like that. But Philip said that if you can show him to us, we'll be okay. And we'll be satisfied. That is, you know, he was saying, I'm going to him. Right. But Philip said, okay, we trust you are going to him, but just show him to us so that we can see him the way you see him. You see that? And Jesus said that, have I been so long a time with you and you have, you have not known me, Philip? And he that had seen me had seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? So Jesus was saying that normally you're not supposed to be asking to show, for me to show you the Father because if you have been with me for so long and has known me, so he said, have I been so long with you, and yet has thou not known me, Philip? So he's saying that even though I've been with you, you haven't known me, right? So if you knew me, then you would not have asked me to show us the Father, because he that has seen me has seen the Father. So it's very clear that this scene here is Jesus is speaking about seeing with knowledge, right? Not seeing without knowledge, because it's one thing to see, and it's one another thing to know. The fact that you see doesn't necessarily mean that you know. So, but real seeing is not really complete until knowledge has taken place. The purpose of sight is to impart knowledge. That after you have seen, you should know what you saw. You should have an information, praise God, about what you saw. So Jesus was saying here that you've been seeing me. Normally, if you've been seeing me properly, you should, not, you should have seen the Father in me. Why? Because he has gotten to a point where, like he has said this time, before now, that I am my Father, that we are what? I am my Father, that we are one. So, the, the true, the, the, the measure or the proof that a soul is seeing this Jesus, not um, Jesus, not, I mean, when I say this Jesus, I mean this Jesus who has come into the same estate that this particular man had come into. Praise God. 
Amen. The Jesus who had come into what? The same estate at this particular, at this point of his life, had come into, which was very close to his departure. Right? So anybody who sees this Jesus, and we know that this Jesus is a Jesus that has actually arisen into a particular position in the spirit. Right? If you find out, we want to figure out where he got to, we know that this is a Jesus who had come into the the works of his father, the or what you can what you call the everlasting works, right? The, the everlasting works of his father. Jesus had come into those same thing. So Jesus at this at this pedigree to see Jesus at this pedigree is to is to know what he has come into, which is at this time what he has come into was actually that. Thing which he called, he actually called it oneness with the, with his father. Praise the Lord. Yes. Say oneness. oneness. He has come into oneness with who? With with his father. So he says that have I been so long with you, and yet yet has thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the father. And how sayest thou? Show us the father. Amen. Then it's in verse 11, it said, believe me that I am in the Father, right? Or in verse 10, sorry. Believers thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. The works that, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, doth what? He doeth the works. Amen. Amen. So he's telling you that when I say the words that I speak, when he's saying the words I speak unto you, he's talking about the words that I'm speaking from this position, from where I'm speaking right now. And these are not ordinary kind of words. I believe at this time, the transfiguration experience, has it happened? I believe it must have happened at this season. Praise God. At the time when the Father must have spoken and said, Hear ye him, that this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You should do what? Hear ye him. So if you are, you are, he's speaking about hearing him, he's talking about the authority that the Father has given to him to speak of certain things. And what is he speaking about? He's actually speaking of works. Jesus was actually a speaker of what? Of works. He was, a, everything he was saying we actually, at this time, at this pedigree, was actually speaking forth works. Because the Bible says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. That word bringeth forth is talking about what out of the abundance. That out of the abundance of the heart, the word, the mouth speaks. So Jesus Christ was speaking out forth works that has been done in him. So in this verse, are you seeing? He's connecting what he's speaking to what the work that the Father which dwelleth in him is doing. Uh, do you see that? So the, the Father, the Father, what the Father is doing inside of him, praise God, are works which are visible to him. They are actually the in walking, the walking of the life. Everybody, you should know that Every life is a worker, right? The purpose of life is to work. 
The day a man stops working is the day he stops living. Right? You can see that from the body. Right? The sign that the body is alive is that the body is working. That's a job. That is like a, just a metronome, something just ongoing, ongoing and ongoing, just like that. You don't have to tell the body, okay, process food now. Break down that food I just ate. No, take a break. Don't break it down. Leave it for three days. Let's store it inside there. And then after three days, we'll break it down. No, you can't tell the body that. But say, am I alive? I'm alive to walk. I'm a walker. Just, I just, you can't stop my walking. I'm just, as long as I'm living, I should be walking. So, so that is the way it is. Life is, for the purpose of life, is to produce works. Are you seeing that? The, the purpose of what? Of life is to do what? Is to produce works. Amen. Do you see that? So the father, um, the father, praise God, um, is, so Jesus, let's see Jesus here, verse 10, or verse 9, says that Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet has, has thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the father, and how sayest thou then, show us the father? Then verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Now, are we listening to these words? Now, she you know these are Jesus' own, these are his own, <laughs> Paul wrote his own, he said his own, John, these are Jesus' own, are you getting me? So, there is wisdom, all these words here are, are congealed and concentrated. They are full of wisdom. Nobody can explain what Jesus said. People don't teach all these things normally without a specific kind of light. Do you agree with me? That if there are no other things inside of your heart, you will not, you will not be able to break into the understanding of what did Jesus mean by these things. Praise God. And that's the season that, by God's grace, God has given to us. This is the task God has given to us in this time. So I'm just letting us know um, that your heart should come, come gather around this and it's like they, they dropped a the bread on the table for us. So yeah, you guys should go and, go and eat this bread. That's, that's the way I feel concerning this thing. Because when I look at this thing, this conversation about what they are teaching us, they are not, they are not things that I know, right? When you say I, I know, what I mean is that I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I know, I know the landscape of it, right? I know that. I know I can identify the terrain. I can tell you, okay, this is what this terrain is. But when it comes to the knowledge of it, like to, to know that love, to know that love, praise God, it will take a lot of journey, to take serious spiritual journey. Right? And you journey through words, right? The, the purpose of these things that Jesus Christ said is, to, is actually all this order of teaching. And this order of speaking is to cause you to travel, to cause your heart to travel. Praise God. Remember what John said in 1 John chapter 1, right? He said, these things that I declare unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. He said, that these things that I written unto you, that your joy may be full. So that word, joy, bringing your joy to fullness is talking about the accumulation Right, the accumulation of things that pertain to you to joy, that pertain to what things that pertain to joy. 
Praise God. Now, when you hear joy, just, joy just means person. Person of God. Person. You can't touch joy without touching the person. It's the person that makes joyful, that makes glad. Praise God. Amen. So, um, these things, God will help us as we, as we journey with them. Amen. Um, so, he's saying, so in verse 10, he's connecting speaking, right, to works. Let's read it again. It says, believers, thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. And the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me doeth. So I speak not of myself. But then he didn't say, okay, the Father in me is the one speaking through me. He switched it. It's, it's, it's just in that short span. He's compressing two things into the same thing. That You can't separate what this speaking is from the works. That the Father in me is working. It's translating, of course, it's translating into walking on my part, and it's also translating into speaking. Let's see John chapter, John chapter 5. Praise God. John chapter 5, if you're there, say amen. John 5 verse, verse 19 says, and answered, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he doth what? What he seeth the... Then what does he do? Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, in, verse, in chapter 5 of John, he, was, he spoke about doing nothing of himself. Right then, in, in John chapter 14, he spoke about not speaking of himself, right? So, in chapter 14, verse 10, he says, I am in the Father, the Father is, is in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the work. In John chapter 5, in verse 19, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he doth what, seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, that's whatsoever the Father does, then these also doeth the word Son likewise. Praise God. Now, so you're seeing this same thing of seeing to the son. So Jesus was expecting Philip to see. And what he was actually expecting Philip to do, it was not really that he was expecting him. He was just telling him, if everything was okay, normally this is what should happen. You should not be asking me about the father because me being with you, you should have been seeing a father. So, so Jesus was, not, was tying things together. In that one verse, you can see many, many things that Jesus is saying. Jesus was saying, first of all, that when it comes to an issue of seeing the Father, it's not something about dreaming him appearing to you or you having an open-eye vision or them carrying you to heaven, all of those things, no. Jesus was speaking about seeing that 
what should have produced sin is me being with you. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? So Jesus was trying to say that, that through person, you can connect person. That's the order of the spirit. Right? Trust, the trust of persons, God commits to person. Right? God commits trust of person. Like God, when God wanted to commit himself to man, he has to raise a person that, that can receive him. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, what I'm just trying to say is that God, these beings, they flow in persons. They have to flow. You cannot, for example, take God and write God down on a paper. and say, so we've written God out. Go and learn God. The paper cannot contain him. Paper cannot, cannot carry what God is. You need something that is, has the, so a, a being that has the, the capacity to carry eternity. Right, an eternal nature, which is the nature of the soul of man. God has to pour himself, his attribute, inside such a soul. And then such a soul can be read. Through such a soul, you can. So two person can transfer through person. One person can move through another person. And that person can, can, can give. So you see, all that God wants to do is to travel from where he is. Where is he traveling from? He wants to travel from his eternity where through persons into creation, right? Into men. And then bring men into the same place where he's been. That's the language of Jesus. That if I go, I will come again. I will, then I will then receive you. Well, it's myself, person. You have to, I must receive you. I can't throw you to God. See, he come here, catapult you, yeah, go to God. Then without me, is that when you are coming to God, you must be found inside of me. It's inside me God will stretch and look for you. Are you getting what I'm saying? It is God will not look for you. God doesn't expect you from any other, pla- from any other place. So if you go to heaven and you are not in him, you cannot go to God. Amen. Because God will not receive any other thing. When it's God, it's time to receive men. God has to look inside his son. How many men have come into his son? How many men have come into his son? It's by virtue of men who are able to come into the son. Those are the, that's where God goes to find men. So are you getting what I'm trying to say? Are you getting, that's the meaning of when he said he's one mediator, he's not just talking alone about his priestly ministry. That, that place is not when he says mediator. It's, a, it's his priestly ministry, but he's not talking about maybe just the officiating for your sins and all that. The mediation between God and man is deeper than dealing with the sins of men. It's actually an eternal mediation. That Jesus is actually an eternal mediator between God and man. So there's only one word, mediator, between God. There's one God, one mediator, between God and man. So Jesus is actually a medium of access to God. So he says there's one God, there's one mediator between God and man, the man. They didn't say the God, Christ Jesus, or the Son of God. They explained to you it's the man, 
Christ Jesus. So it is the man, Christ Jesus, is that man in whom other men can be found. Is the one he has to, every man who must come to God, are you getting me, must, must come into him, into that man, Christ Jesus. That man, Christ Jesus, men must come into him. In other words, he has to receive men to himself. Praise God. Let us, let us put our, this thing here. Let's read it, read it again. This John, one thing I know about this John is that if you don't read it and read it and read it, you will not know it. Because there's a way these things are. They are just, it's like <laughs> they are, praise God. You can easily forget them. You can easily, it's as if, it's as if many of the verses seem as if they are the same thing. They seem so similar to each other. It's like if Jesus was just saying the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. Praise God. Um, but there is great wisdom to what he was saying. From verse John 14, verse 1, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Are you getting the sense? Why would Jesus say that? Amen. Why would he say that? Thank God for your believing God. But now it's time to believe in me. Because there is... Something about me that if you take that out of the equation, forget about God, you can't. Praise the Lord. So, you believe in God, believe also in me. Then he now spoke about the Father's house, which is that destination, which is where you really, they really want to take you to. Where he really wants to take you to is the Father's house. There are many mansions. If we were not so, I would have told you. Now, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, the way you get to that place is that I must come again. And then I won't just stay there and expect, stay where I went to and expect you to come. I must come to you again. And when I come to you, I must then receive you, what, unto myself that where I am, there may be also. Are you seeing the, the wisdom here? So everything Jesus was teaching, you see John, John 14, John 15, John 16, and a little bit of 17, but those three verses, Jesus was just trying to teach one thought. But see, that thought is so removed that if you just say it once, men can forget it. In fact, they can take what you said, apply it to something else, and forget that you ever said it. So Jesus was just using different aspects, different wisdom. He's trying to, to, to relay a thought. What is a thought? He's trying to make, to trap, make men to trap the concept of coming into him. Right? The concept is a weird concept. It's a foreign concept of how, how can men be inside another man? Now, because there are many things that wars against this concept. Even in our natural world, it doesn't naturally, um, it's not a natural thing for me. Even a father on the earth will feel evil telling his son, hey, you must be exactly like me. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It is, it's not, it's not, it's contrary to the natural senses, the way the natural sense operates. It's because we feel everybody who is born into the world is an individual and that you have come into the world to express your individuality 
and then everybody else around you, your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, that will help your individuality and then mold you so that your, your, your great gift and treasure can be, can be given to the world so that they can to tap out the treasure inside of you. That's the way men think. So the thought of one, of, one of the most foreign thought is the thought of oneness. Men can never think. When you want to, if you want to make men just crash, make everything they are doing just crash and stop and not move forward, talk about being one, just one, being one. In any place you go to, it's not possible. Because that's the hardest thing. It's actually an impossibility. It takes the power to, to bring oneness it's not easy. Amen. So, but you see that thing about oneness is the great, when you say, what is the great mystery? If men, if, if men can go and say, what is the hardest thing to learn? Is how can, how can you fuse souls together to become what? To become one. That thing is actually the ancient, an ancient wisdom that the, the, the generation of men who had that sense, God had to quickly destroy it and scatter it. Because that was the sense by which they were trying to build the Tower of Babel. To reach, are you getting, are you seeing that tower? There is a place that men cannot cross with divisions. As long as men are divided, there's a, there are place, there, in terms of moving out of the terrestrial, of the present, moving out of the, the, the lock of the cosmos, the present cosmos, there's something about it that is a sense. Without that sense, man cannot what advance. Jesus, God, the, the scripture said it that when God looked at them, what they were doing, he said that if we leave these guys, that there's nothing that they would that they will set their mind to do that they won't be able to achieve. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, you see, that oneness is a great mystery. So, God had to come, change their tongues, scatter them, distribute them around the earth so that they will never achieve that. Praise God. Now, in, Paul said something in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, right? He highlighted that sense. Paul picked that sense. And he picked that sense because that sense is a sense, car. That sense, that is the greatest sense in the world or in, in life. Paul picked it when he was, he was teaching about the church went to establish order of ministry. Went to establish the, it was actually establishing the, the order of increase. Right? You know, that was what that Ephesians chapter 4 was focusing on. How to increase. How to advance. How to, how to rise up. Praise God. In, in Ephesians 4, let's quickly read it. From verse 1, it says, I, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation Wherewith you are called. We've dealt with what is vocation, right? This vocation is also the profession. Right? The profession is, the, is also the vocation. 
The vocation means that thing that you should be occupied with. What, what have you been called to do, to achieve? It says that with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearance, forbearing one another in love. Praise the Lord. With all lowliness and meekness. These are the powers that you need. So you see these powers he mentioned here. These are the things that you can never find in the world. That the world has no energy to produce all these things. Praise God. So the purpose of church is for the release of these energies. The energies of lowliness, of meekness, of long-suffering, of forbearing one another where? In love. Then verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Praise God. And why? Because there is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and then see what he said, above all, through all, in you all. One who is above all, through all. These are the, actually the operations of God. When you speak about how does God see? Now, when they are showing the picture of what God is looking to inherit, what God is looking toward, really, really inherit, is really one thing. In the end, in the book of Revelation chapter 21, it came up as a city. Right? Am I correct? It's what? A city. It's one city. It's like one man child. You know, they could have easily said woman had twins or triplets or octuplets or something, just to tell you that there are many, but... No, he's actually a man-child. One man-child is a man-child. But you know, that man-child is actually a company, right? It's a company of many who have, who, have, who have gained bodily formation into one. Praise the Lord. Say one. Praise God. Like this city is one city. The new Jerusalem that came out of heaven from God. That one city, amen. It's, you know, they could have said there are many cities. They have said, I showed you many Jerusalems, many cities. You know, it sounds like what they would say. Because they like many, many. When you get to Revelation, they like many, many, many. When you start reaching the end, you know, they don't like many anymore. It's looking like one, 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 one. When you're when you getting to the, the realm of that eternity, because the door into eternity is one door. There's only one. Eternity, not only one thing can enter eternity. It's one, just one. So everything, if many wants to enter eternity, they must be in one. So the, the fight, the struggle, the battle, everything that needs to be done to push many into eternity is dependent on how much can, how can those many come into what? Into one. Because that door, that door into eternity accepts only one. Only one must go. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise God. When you journey through the heavens, you, you pass through the innumerable company of angels. You pass through different kinds of beings. All the hosts 
When you are traveling to the end, when you get to the throne, say one sat on it. Right? They say, when, why did they say one sat on it? But after they said one sat on it, the same chapter, they now began to show you that there's actually a guy who was sitting there who has a, heart, a book in his right hand. Another being who was the lamb, who is also a lion, came and took the thing out of the hand of him. So how many are they? Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. So how can you say one sat? Then you now began to speak about the other. And is that lamb, you see, is the lamb in the midst of the throne. Are you getting what I'm trying to, the sense I'm trying to tell you? So it's speaking about, so, so the, the goal, when you begin to, when you begin to see your profession, you've not cited the profession if you've not, if, you're, if you're, you haven't been impregnated with the thought of oneness. That thought is the highest thought, like I said, that the soul can think. And to get the soul to think that thought, you must take many, many journeys. The soul must journey and journey and journey and journey and journey and journey till they can aspire to be one. Amen. Praise God. So he says there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in what? One hope of your calling. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. And Father of all, who is above all and through all. And I began to say, but to everyone is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And he spoke about the, the ministry, praise God. The, the fivefold ministry, which was given to the word, to the church. Praise the Lord. Say oneness. So, if we go back to John chapter five, chapter five, John chapter five. John 5, let's read from verse, um, verse, verse 19. It says, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, That verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that he may what? Marvel. Praise God. So, are you seeing the father loving the son? So, the way the father demonstrates love to the son is to show him what he himself is what he's doing. He's showing him what he himself is what he's doing. Now, what the father is doing, which the son has seen. Praise God. Now, Jesus now said that what the Father is doing, the Father showed him the way we know that it's for the purpose of him doing it as well. Is because Jesus also said that as the Father walketh, I also walk. Praise God. Where is that one? I think. Uh... It's in verse 17, right? 
the same chapter. Praise God. See, but Jesus answered them, saying, My father walketh hitherto, and then what? And I walk. So, so it's very clear that the, he's not just seeing the works of his father, and he's not just saying them. He's also doing the word, work. He said, I must do the works of him that what, sent me, and I must finish what, his work. Praise the Lord. So, so here, the work that he is doing is what Jesus expected. Let's go back to John chapter 17. It's what Jesus expected. Or I wouldn't say the word expected. I mean, if that normally those who are with him, those who are around him, John 14, should be able to see the same works. Amen. Have I been so long with you? Verse 9, John 14, verse 9. Have I been so long time with you, and ye has not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Verse 10. Believest thou know that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the word, very works sake. Verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And then greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my what? Father. Now why would he say greater works than these shall he do? Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. Praise God. And then greater works than what? These shall he do. Because I go unto my Father. Now, these there are two works that they speak about here. It says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do. So, of course, that is talking about the, an initial dimension of works. Do you agree with me? An initial dim- dimension of works that faith in me will make you to do. Now, he that believeth on me, that what believeth on me is the faith of the Son. That's the language of the faith of the Son. Right? That they might obtain an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Acts chapter 26, through faith that is in me. So, that what believeth on me is talking about the initial doing of works. So, the works that I do, he shall do also. That's an initial doing of works. Based on his own faith. This is not milk of the word works. This is actually the works of Christ. Praise God. They are the what? They are the works. So what is the works of Christ? The works of Christ is, are the works that a person can do by believing. The works that a person can do by believing in a season before the Lord comes again to him. Praise God. Before all the works that his first coming does. The work that his first coming brings 
are specific kind of works. Do you agree with what I'm saying? There are certain kind of what? There are certain kind of works. Now Jesus is speaking. Now there's a reason why Jesus is speaking like this is because, and that's one of the reasons why his words are hard to interpret because he had to say these things and at the same time veil them to the people who he was speaking concerning. So it means he must, if he doesn't put a veil, there will be a problem with it. So in other words, if he doesn't put a veil over it, men would have wrestled with it. And when they wrestle with it, they can, through those words, move into error and evil spirit. There are actually people who they, can, they don't care about anything in this Bible. Just say, they can tear out the Old Testament, tear out the epistle. Just take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Where are those red things? That's all that matters. I don't care about all these, all these guys, all these things. Just give me the one that I know. Jesus said this. Yeah, they have souls like that. Now it's, now, it's very clear. Those guys, most of the time, we have very, very erroneous beliefs and understanding. We're very far away from the true thought or from the truth. Because you can't just go and just take Jesus. But Jesus can, but such a thing can still help. And Jesus knew that. So he had to add mastery to his words. That when you come and approach the words, there's something that will appear to you that will make you satisfied and make you okay. That okay, ah, this is what he said. Very easy now. And that's why some guys like it because hey, this is it's very simple. Leave all those Paul, all those things, deep things he was saying, and all those Old Testament things. Let's just go. You see how, you see how simple Jesus was? That's how Jesus, everything is. So, so that was mastery at work, right? That is actually, that simplicity is actually a veil. Jesus had to veil his words. Do you get what I'm saying? So Jesus will not speak and, uh, to, to make you know that he is the senior elder brother of Paul and John. Normally you feel that that's the way he should talk, that when you read his own, what he said, ah! He's so, he so concentrated with describing things about the eternal realm, with eternal language and everything. No, Jesus was not like that. Jesus was not like that. Jesus had to. Jesus was. So he already knew that what I have to say, you cannot bear them now, but he was still talking. So it means he was speaking with the mind they cannot bear them, those things. So when Jesus is writing things, Jesus, now one of the main purposes of Jesus' works. When I say works, I mean miracles. Physical things were to hide his works. Praise the Lord. Were to do what? So, so that when he says works, your head should go tangent somewhere very quickly. So everything Jesus Christ is saying now, all these things that we are, we are, we are seeing by God's grace, if you forget the light of Christ through Paul, and all the epistles, and they just put it aside, and just look at this thing as if you are just one novice. I just came to read what Jesus is saying, right? It would make so much sense. You, you would, it would just be like, or when you just, just see works here, it would make so much sense that it's just talking about his miracles and all of that, those things. And it was mastery. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So when Jesus was looking at Philip and all, he was replying to them, he was answering them. He has to say something that makes sense to them. But that's not, that is not what he was saying. 
really. He is actually saying things that people who will come by the Spirit later can come and peel a layer of the words and get to, when you peel that first layer off, which is covered with, that makes that seems as if they are pointing to his miracles and all of those things. When you peel that layer off, you will now see the same writing will begin to arrange again, but arrange to impart in another understanding, a different understanding. Am I making some sense to you? So, so Jesus, at the same time, Jesus can be speaking about coming from heaven, physically heaven. And at the same time, he can be speaking to you about coming as Christ to your soul. Now, if you've never learned Paul, you're never going to see the angle of him coming as Christ to your soul. Because after, after Jesus did these things, he had to appear to a guy, to Paul. Paul, you see all those things I taught? There are things about those things. Though. Let me now show you the under layer of the message I was teaching. And you do it to a point, and I'll, bring, I'll go and meet John, and then I'll begin to teach John also about the, the interpretation. You know, it's a, it's a skill. It's a bind up the testimony. Seal it among the disciples. Means that those who are disciples will know it, but it's sealed among them. If you go, you are outside the disciple company. Who is a disciple? Those who have been, those who by following have caught covenant with that truth. Disciples are actually fellows. Who are disciples? They are knowers. See, and you shall know the truth, right? If you continue in my word, that would continue. Follow from this level, and then move to the other level. So, disciples are those who are continuers. In what? So what does that mean? Tell me. That tells me that word is not flat. Word is not one thing. If word is one thing, you don't need to continue in the word. That language to me, that continuing in the word, to me, it doesn't mean after you have read Genesis, continue to Exodus. (laughs) Don't stop there. (laughs) Then continue to Leviticus. That's not what... that continuing means. Praise God. What is, what is continuing in the word? To continue. So when it has come to you, okay, I've had it to Jesus. Thank you for this one. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I've received this. I've received this. Now, disciples don't receive and go. Multitude are the ones who receive and go. Disciples receive keep it, and they open their hand again. That is, that's a disciple. Praise 
Ecriosso pane menoshi cavayada barabosho prate begadose, e prite vesto bretivra tania mosecate menoste, e lipra melica palita, for my life is given for a journey for you. It is a journey for you, it is a journey for you, it is a journey for you, for you are landing and marking landmarks. You are reaching landmarks in the spirit world, yet there are yet more landmarks in me. There are yet more landmarks in me, for I am many in me. I am many in me. I am many in me. I am many, 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 many in me. I am many in me. I am many in me, for even my word is many in me. Is many in me, for to be replicated in you. For we are many, we are many, we are many, we are many. Journey in my word. Journey in my word. Continue in my word. Continue in my word. Continue in my word. Continue in my word. For Yagadosi Pania, for there is so much blessing for you. Would see not, but believe. There is so much blessing for you who we'll see not but believe. For the more you continue in my world, the more you come to my landmarks, the more you look like me, the more you look like me. For as you journey in me, you are leaving another. As you journey in me, you are leaving another. As you journey and continue in my word, for my word is power, my word is what upholds all things. You are cleaving unto me. You, you are cleaving unto me. Thank continue you. in my word until you look like me. For you, just as I am, you will be like me if you keep my word, says the Spirit. Thank you, Thank you Father. Oh, glory to your name. Amen. Are we being blessed today? Let's open John, John chapter 8. Jesus was just saying the same thing um, in John chapter 8, praise God. Because he, he encountered... Praise the Lord. Thank you. He encountered the Jews. Right? A lot of times when Jesus encountered the Jews, um, when he encountered the Jews, because of their nature, the Jewish nature, it provokes Jesus to address wisdoms about himself. Because the Jews, the Jews, they question him. They question his person. They question who he was. Praise God. So, whenever Jesus is addressing them, sometimes he gives insight into the wisdom, right, about how the Holy Spirit managed to, to bring forth his person. Amen. Um, I don't want to spend too much time there, but I don't know if you get the sense of what I'm trying to say. Amen. Praise God. Because Jesus was meant, Jesus was meant to be hidden from the Jews. Right, they are not. They are not meant to. Why were they? It's not because God was wicked. He wanted to hide it. No, because God knows who a Jew is. He knows that a Jew seeketh a sign. A Jew will not like to understand when you bring a method of understanding to them. Praise God, which is of course a spiritual method which God really wants them to use, which is what they have to use to know. They will not like it. Praise God that the Jew. So the wisdom of hiding Jesus was around how the Holy Ghost represented him to the Jews. What side of him should they create for him to, for the Jews to see? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So every time, so when, every time Jesus, maybe either he says something or, or anything that suggests that there is more to him than meets the eye, they have problem. They begin to, they begin to, Ask questions. They just begin to bombard with questions. 
What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? If Jesus there mentions anything about his father, God being his father, do you have a problem? Are you, because that whole operation, you can't, it's not visible. You can't see it. Are you getting what I'm saying? But I also thank God for the Jews. You know why? Because a lot of times when this revelation came, is when they would say, Jesus, and Jesus answered, saying, and who is he answering most of the time? It's all these people. So by answering them, wisdom, Holy Ghost was, was trapping in the, in the script, the wisdom of explanation concerning how he, Jesus was packaged. Amen. Uh, praise God. Praise the Lord. Um, let's see John chapter 8 verse, from verse 25. It says, And they said, they said Then said they unto him, Who, who art thou? And Jesus <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you, means I've been telling you from the beginning who I am. But no, you can't really hear. I know you can't hear what I'm trying to say. So every time Jesus would talk, they would say, okay, okay, but who are you? <laughs> who are you? So what, what, does, what does that tell you? It tells you that they were stuck at a point. They couldn't get beyond that. They couldn't get, they felt like Jesus is not answering this question. Right? We, you are, we can't place you. Because when they look at their prophetic books, based on how they understood the prophets, they couldn't place Jesus. But it's just because they were not seen. When you look at the prophets with the eye of revelation, you see Jesus everywhere. But the Jews were not seeing him that way because of their own interpretation. When when the Old Testament speak of glory, for example, and they didn't come and look at Jesus, they are not seeing that thing that they prophesied about. When you prophesied about someone who who will be a king, who will be a Messiah, who will save the people from their sin. And they bring all that prophecy. And they now come to Jesus and look at him. The way he is, they just size him up. Say, this is not the... It's very clear. Why is that? Because there's a veil over them. They don't see in what... They can't see in which dimension those things apply to Jesus. Praise God. So... They said, who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, that I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have what? Heard of him. I speak. What's the meaning of that? I am releasing to the world. So all of Jesus's, all that Jesus began to 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 do and then to teach, to do and to teach. The former traitors I made, O Theophilus, of all that he began to do and to teach, those things he was doing and he was teaching, was actually the purpose of Jesus' earthly life was to declare works, to speak of what works. Amen. To declare it to the world. What does it mean to declare it to the world? He's not talking about Declaring it to the spirit of the world, no. He's just talking about declaring it into the, into the, uh, if I can use the word, the earth, so to speak, right? But world is more than earth. World is talking about the spiritual construct 
that is present within the physical realm or within the physical earth. Praise God. So when you sum all the spiritual entities and activities in the earth, in the present, you can call that the world to say. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. So Jesus spoke these things there. He, he released them. And that's why they are also recorded. They are recorded in scripture. Do you see that? So I speak those things, the word, those things which I have heard of him. So, but the real content of Jesus' speakings when he was on the earth is really what he has heard of the Father. When we've been seeing that through the scriptures, right? What he has heard of the Father is what he's been saying to the world. But it's very clear that those things are not very obvious. Now, see, they understood not that he spoke to them of the Father, and then, then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, and then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father had taught me, I speak these things. Now, So it means that you will never know. You can never decode what? You will not decode that I am he. You will not know that I do nothing of myself. You will not know that I'm actually a student of the Father. And that the things I'm speaking, I'm speaking according to the teachings of the Father. You, you won't be able to cite all these things about me until what? When you have lifted up the Son of Man. That word lifted up the Son of Man is when he has departed in the, from the present form that he's in, which is the form of the veil. Praise the Lord. When he has been lifted up, are you getting what I'm saying? Then the, the way to this other aspect about him will now begin to what? Emerge. Now, you ask me, what does being lifted up mean? Does it mean when they physically killed him? Yes. That's part of it. Um, but we now realize that even though Jesus Christ departed physically, but souls still have the ability to hold him in the form in which he was before. So when you say being lifted up, it's more than just talking about when he was put on the cross physically. Is that even though he was there, Jesus was lifted up then, but in many hearts, even Christian hearts, that the Jesus, that Jesus has not yet been lifted up. There's so much of there's so much of divine, there's so, so much of spiritual wisdom in you know the way the Holy Ghost talks, right? When you say lifted up, lifted, it sounds like you are saying you exalted him in your heart. And you also when you look at it the other way, it sounds like you are saying, Oh, when they lifted him to the cross. You know, the way as the, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so is the Son of Man lifted up. And they were speaking concerning how they lifted him up in Calvary, which was an elevated position. Are you getting all these things mixed together? They are all, they are still true. So, it is the lifting up of Jesus in the heart that exposes, on, what does it mean of lifting up? Let Jesus, let his feet leave the earth in your heart. Let his feet leave the earth in your heart. 
There are Christians who would never let that happen. They don't like that. Don't move us into uncharted terrain of all these things. Don't move us into, we like this Jesus. This Jesus that we can really, really understand. We can map him out. He said this. He did this. He spoke about this particular thing. He spoke about this one. He said, when you do this, when you love your brother, you do that. He said, when you do all those easy things to understand, things that you can relate, like if, you, if someone is telling you, ah, your grandfather said this, so, then it will make sense to you. You want Jesus to talk to you in that way. If you want Jesus to, Jesus' words to apply to you in that way, he's not being lifted up from your heart. So actually, the meaning of him being lifted up is your surrender to the ministry of knowing him by revelation. Knowing him spiritually. Knowing him after the, the veil of his body has been peeled off. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's all these are just the signs of the scripture. Like when, you, when it was time for Saul to know him that way, Saul of Tarsus, he came lifted up in an elevated position and stood in the sky. The same kind of position he was when he was on the cross. Those things mean something in the spirit. The sign of him being lifted up, Jesus being lifted up, is a sign of knowing by revelation. It's a sign in the spirit. How many of you get what I'm trying to say? You understand what I'm trying to say? Say lifted up. You must look to him lifted. If you can't see him that way, healing will not come. Right? The way the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, praise God, to raise, you know what it means to raise your eyes above. To raise your eyes, take your eyes off the ground and look up. Look up, look at that serpent. Now, when that thing happened, it didn't say that the Moses for a second suspended all the serpents that were biting them and then took them, zoomed them out in a moment and said, Okay, now at this moment, look, no. He said, Why the serpents were still on the ground, still biting, and all of those things? You, you should be able to look beyond that thing, the fear. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? You must look beyond. Now, what makes men not want to look at Jesus that way is they are afraid that in the process of getting lost in that thing, they can lose their life. That is the greatest fear, secretly in the heart of souls. When you're telling them, come and know Jesus by revelation, they know that if, they, if you go into this world that these guys are going into, this is where men lose touch with reality. And after a while, when you follow this thing for a while, you will now realize that all your ten, five-year goals you had, that what happened to all of them, they are just sitting down there, nothing has happened. That, are you getting what I'm trying to say to you? See, this world, uh, this world, some guys know this world more than some of us who are here. Some of us, for them, for them to get us here, they have to blind you concerning it. In a, in a sense, in a way. They have to put some things around you in a sense that they won't give you time to think about it. Let it just be. Make it in a way that your friends are going. So you always feel awkward if you are not going. So, so in the process, they can still be blessing you. And before you know it, they've done a work. They've done something quickly on the inside of you. That if they really left you normally just by yourself, let you calculate everything. And then examine. Okay, they say it is what? Word of righteousness. And examine it. That when you think about it, hey, say what kind of thing is this? (laughs) 
Why? You will be afraid because you will, you will be concerned about your life passing away while you are trying to crack what John was saying. And, what, and whereas other people just go to church, clap God, serve God, give offering and everything, they go back, they are doing things, their life is going on. And you, you are in one place, you are trying to. And there are some of us that, when you even come into this place, it's not like the world just opens to you very quickly. That sometimes when you come here and you find ah, others, other people are shaking their head. Ah, wow, all right, what that? Yo, this is as if. What? Just to even get one revelation, just one, just one, just one, just one, just one revelation that drop. Aha, this thing. You hardly have such experiences. And you can easily get angry and say, this world does not like me. Why am I wasting my time? <laughs> Praise God. What God is a master is that God deals with our souls in different ways. So you see that thing of him being lifted up. It's a great, it's a great thing. It's a great accomplishment for Christ to be lifted up in his soul. For Christ to be what? Lifted up in his soul. Because from that, when he's lifted up, you can know him by revelation. Now, what does it mean of him being lifted up? You see that? If you look, what is the difference between the heaven and the earth? Between the heaven and earth, there's a mid-region. Mid it's called the air. That region called the air. That region called the air is where, is where the powers of illumination actually reside in the present. There's a link between the soul and whatever is in that world, in that realm. So that's why Satan can easily transmit himself into men, teach men, culture men, because he's in, the, that, he's in that realm. Do you get what I'm saying? So for, for you to really know Jesus, you must move him to that place. Inside of you, you have the ability to move Jesus into, into your own air in the spirit from where he will stay and begin to teach you. That is a sign of where Jesus should be teaching from. That's a place where souls are taught from. Things rain on the soul. For it to rain on you, you must be elevated. Praise the Lord. Are you getting the sense of what I'm saying? So don't enjoy learning flat. Praise God. Maybe it's time for life is now. We're about to teach. Every time, what is all these tongues and all these things again? Why can't you just go and teach this thing? Let us know what are you doing. Is it, is it love? Love of the Father? Then love, I, I get what I'm saying. Can't you just open this scripture? Okay, John chapter 14. Amen. One of my friends was telling me, uh, she listens to me. She said, she said, she said sometimes she will just get angry. Okay, why are you saying this thing again? Didn't you just say this thing? Just... <laughs> Sure, you've said it now. I've heard. Why, have, why are you saying it again? When that time is going. And when she was talking, she doesn't even know that what she's saying, me, I get angry at myself too. <laughs> that you are, you are just speaking what's in my mind.
Praise God. You know, the way, there's a way teaching ministry is that when you've said something, maybe you, you feel like you should go and say other things, but, but what you just said is saying, say me again. Say me. Say me. You can't go without saying it. There's a way, there's a way it is. For this is my mystery. This is my mystery. This is my mystery. It's my mystery. It's the wisdom in our realm. It's how we operate in our realm. For that is how we confound and confuse you and scatter you. For to realign you to our wisdom. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to me. The wisdom of this world is that that speaks when I'm speaking. The wisdom of this world is that that stands when I am speaking. But I am coming. I am coming and I'm yet coming to confound your wisdom. To this, to make you foolish on this earth, to make you foolish on this world, for to conform you to our realm, for to make you al- align to our realm, for to make you to be conformed to our realm. I am coming and I am coming. I am coming to confound you and confuse you. I am coming to scatter you. I am coming to scatter you, for to realign you to our realm, for to realign you to our realm, for to realign you to our realm. For in our realm, the more you fix your gaze on us, the more you are elevated above the wisdom of this world. Fix your gaze on us. Set your eyes on one thing. And that one thing is me. For without me, nothing else counts. Without me, nothing else counts. As I look to my father, as I hear my father, seek to hear me. Seek to see me. For as you see me, as you see me, you are exalted and lifted above everything. Seek to see me. Seek to see me. Long to hear me. For in the multitude of words and the repetition of words, I am cementing myself in your heart. I am writing my laws in your heart. I am imputing my wisdom in you. Don't be confused. Don't be confounded. Do not be weary. Don't be weary. Keep coming. Keep coming. I speak to that one person here. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. For you are being cemented and rooted in my palms. You are being cemented and rooted in me, says the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. This is a time when those who want to see the Lord can see him. They can see him. You know, when seeing him is, you begin to see his works. That is seeing him. When you begin to see his works, you begin to see it. Your soul will just begin to see his works. You begin to know his works. You begin to see it. Praise the Lord. 
And that's where they want to bring us into. Praise God. So let's read this John 8. Let's, let's continue. Praise God. Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So when, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know. So you, you won't know until he has been lifted up. Are you seeing this season of knowledge? Comes. Once he's just lifted up inside of you, you just begin to know. Season of knowledge starts. If he's not lifted up, you cannot know. If you like just that simple Jesus, you will not be knowing. But the moment you can allow what it takes, because when he's being lifted up and you can lift up your gaze to him, it's, also, it's, a, great, it's a great attitude of faith. Yes, sir. Because for you to be gazing at him, there are many things you must not be looking at. Yes, sir. Right? You must have the, the strength, the stamina, the courage to not be, you know, the things you normally look after and keep and hold and, and check and and that those things give you a sense of security because you are maintaining them. You are constantly looking after them. So it makes you feel safe. But you find out the, the gaze because, praise the Lord, the, you know that the, the operation of, of, of dealing, of interaction with him is actually an operation of a single eye. That they don't permit any other eye that is not single. The ones is no longer single, it's evil. They discard it. We can't use these eyes. We can't. You can. We cannot expose our treasure to an eye that is not single. That was Jesus' teaching in, in Matthew chapter six, right? He said, "Except the eyes be what the light of the body is the eyes, right? If the eyes be what full of light, but if the eye be evil." The body will be full of darkness. And if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, for you to see, there must be singularity. That singularity is talking about your gaze. Right? So, when Jesus is lifted up, gazing on the exalted Jesus, is an operation of singularity. They, they make your eyes single to behold one thing. To see one in that operation, things are being detached from you because they remove your gaze from what from other things. That's how the heal heart souls from they say sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. How they, they keep you from the evil. When Jesus Christ said in chapter 17 of John, right, that with, with the, the, the idea is not to remove you out of the world, but that while you are here. It should be kept from where the evil. Where is the evil hiding? The, hide, the evil is hiding in the days. The days have been laced with evils. Each day, no day is free. Every day has been apportioned with its own evil. So when you, you, you are just living through days upon the earth, and if you are doing that without employing the mechanism to be kept from the evil, which is the singularity of eyes, only singularity of eyes, can keep a soul from evil on the earth. So if they want to, to help a soul from, from the evils in the earth, on, in the world, 
right? The only way to do it, you must have bring that soul to, to gazing on this one thing. What, you, what do they want to gaze? The exalted who? Jesus. The exalted Jesus is who men need to what? To gaze on. Once you are looking at him, you find out that somehow evil is leaving you. You are able to escape the evils. Somehow, you will be living through days, but your soul is not magneting evil upon the earth. Praise God. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But So these are all things you will begin to learn once you've lifted him up and look at him. These are the things that Philip should have been able to see, but he was not able to see. Say, but as my father had taught me, I speak these things, and he that sent me is with me. And the father hath not left me alone, for I always do those things that what please him. So you understand that thing of where I am. Like I said before, that where I am, there may be also, he's talking about the present dwelling, where they inhabit each other. They, they, they dwell in each other. Because I am my father, and my father also what in me. Praise God. The Father had not left me alone, for I do always those things that what please him. So he's also tying their, that their state of perpetual company with each other. It is tied to what he's doing. So two of them, the moment one stops doing what the other one is doing, they begin to find there will be a separation. So they are both working to maintain the union. Once, if one slacks, gap emerges. It's a technology. They must both be working. As the father walking, even so I walk. So for me, the secret of our oneness is that what he is doing, I must be doing it. As I'm doing what he's doing, the, the oneness, nothing can separate us. We are one. The moment I slack in my works, what will happen? A gap will what? Emerge. I don't know if I'm trying to, I'm showing you something. So that's why you cannot, no soul can aspire to be one with them without also, without first aspiring to see their works and be doing their works. It's by seeing their works and doing their works. That's how Oneness, as you are, as you are, you are emerging valiantly, you are doing valiantly in their works. As you are prospering in their works, you are being engrafted into their fellowship, into their company. So if they want to make it souls, okay, we want to bring these guys into our, our, our communion. Let's make them one as we are one. The first thing they have to do is that we must find a way for them to see what we are doing. That's it. Praise God. So he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And he spoke these words, many believed as he spoke them. And then Jesus said unto those Jews who believed on him, those Jews who were able to believe. 
So, so they were Jews by Jew. Blind. Jew means blind. In this era, Jew just, when you say Jew, this is a blind man. Just forget about it. Don't need to ask too many questions. As long as he has that Jewish, Jewish nature on the inside of him, he has that blindness upon, upon him. But the first initiation, so the first thing that must happen to a blind man, listen, the first thing that must happen to a blind man is not teaching him. No. Because if you teach him, you can teach a blind man from now to 10,000 years. He wouldn't, you've not done anything for him. He, no. The first thing a blind man do, must do must be, be to believe. Believing is the first, is the first cause of remedy to blindness. Any person who is blind, blind means they cannot see. Are we talking about spiritual blindness, not physical blindness? Do you understand? So when it comes to spiritual blindness, a soul that is blind spiritually, the first thing that must happen to him, he must make him believe first. How many of you believe what I'm trying to say? That's the first thing. Now, once he's a believer, he's not a candidate of, it, of knowing. It's in the knowing that the eyes get opened or the eyes get healed. Praise God. So, so what Jesus was saying next was actually pertaining to those who had believed in him. So verse 31, it says, Jesus said unto those Jews which believed on him, that if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So believing doesn't make you his disciple. Do you agree with that? When you say disciple, a disciple are those who have received. He said, bind up the testimony and seal it among who? Among the disciples. So the disciples are those who have come into the school of knowing. They have become into the calling. They have embraced the calling of knowing. They've come into, they've, they've connected by faith, believing. But then they now need to do what? Continue in my word. So Jesus was just telling these people that have believed in him that, okay, this is, a, this is your first step. Now, I know that everything I'm saying to you, you cannot know them. Right? I know that everything I'm saying to you, you actually cannot know them. You can't. You can't know them. I know. But I'm just trying to tell you the process, when you, how you will eventually come into knowledge, is that because you have believed, there will be a season when you need to continue in my word. Now, the word continue is actually a kind of a, is a labor. What others will not do, be willing to do it. Remember how I was speaking concerning this, that a, a disciple is someone who, after you've given him, he will thank you, and then he will open his hand back again and receive, and then open it again, and receive. A disciple is somebody whose, all his, whose heart, whose life, has become glued to the words of who he's following after. He has abandoned everything. Like Peter asks, what shall we have? We have abandoned everything and followed you. We have abandoned everything. You've abandoned everything. So to leave everything, a disciple, a disciple is somebody 
who has placed premium upon the words, who has made, their, made up their mind to continue in the word, to continue in the word. Say continue. Say continue. Amen. So continuity in his words or the words of Jesus is actually to continue, means to break through. Stay with it. Continue in it. Continue in it. Continue in it. Why do you have to continue in it? Because this man, what he's saying is hidden. You have to journey. They must take layers of what he's saying for you to arrive. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So what I'm, I'm just showing you why the words of Jesus are in this manner. They actually write, when they, what they write for disciples or the way disciples access their thoughts is not the same that anyhow people assess it. Others cannot access it. When you bring a disciple, okay, there's a thought here. Let's see who can get it. Bring any kind of human being on the world, in the world. When they come to where that thing is, they will get, the, they will get things from there. Things that pertain to their life, they can find it there. They can find solution. They can find answer. They can find, ah, I just got one insight for that thing I'm trying to do. They can find it there, all kinds of things, but they won't touch the secret. What is the secret? That which was bound up and which was sealed. That which God, which has been bound up and sealed, is stuff they kept waiting for disciples to come. Because a disciple is an attitude. Is a, is a, a disciple is somebody who has, they've tampered with. They are not, just, they are not okay normally. They don't, where people go and stop, that's where they are just starting. A disciple is somebody who does not turn away in the path of, of knowledge. A soul that doesn't turn, that doesn't relent, that doesn't retreat, it doesn't surrender when it comes to what? Accessing what? Knowledge. That's the heart of a word of a disciple. And any soul who will not follow the Lord that way will not arrive at his works, will not arrive at his thought, will not arrive at the knowledge of his father, what he's carrying and what he's keeping. You see that? If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. And what will happen? And the truth shall make you free. Praise God. Are we tired? Do we want to go home now? Are you sure? <clears throat> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go back to John chapter 14. John 14. Praise God. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Verse 11, it says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Right. Verse 12, verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. So, believing will open you up to now beginning to do works. Now, but these first works that you do is the works that those who 
what they've gained is the facility of belief. Do you get what I'm saying? They've gained what the facility of what believing. That such people, they were able to see works at a level. And they will do those works also. Then semicolon, and. That word and means, when you say and, it means that after they've done this one, there is another one after that. Do you agree with what I'm saying? So after they've done the works that I do, and greater works than these shall he do, than greater works than the one which he has just done, he will now begin to do now. When he will begin to do greater works is after he has continued in my word. Do you see that? Jesus said that if he that believe, you believe it on. If, sorry, he said to them that believe that if you continue, then you, my disciples indeed, and then you will know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. Praise God. Now, he's saying that when they will do greater works, is greater works because I go to my Father. Greater works because I go to my Father. Now, Jesus explained the purpose of going to his Father. He said that one of the main reasons to go to his Father is for preparing a place for you, then coming again. So, coming again is actually the season of equipping for what he calls greater works. Yeah. So, to do greater works than these. So, when you say works, there are two kinds of works. What, I mean, works that matter, or not anyhow kind of work. I mean, works. When you say work, you know what we're talking about now. Uh-huh. So, there are works that everybody is doing, but there are, when, you, when you begin to works that matter in the spirit are two kinds. They are the works of Christ and the works of God. Right? The works of Christ and the works of God. The works of Christ and the works of God. Those are the two works. In Christ, there are works. In God, there are works. The works of God are called everlasting works. Everlasting life. Everlasting life is the life of his works. Right? That is, when you say everlasting life, everlasting life is the life of the works of God. Not the works of Christ. They are the works of God. Praise the Lord. After Jesus had done the works of Christ, he has finished the works of Christ, then he now said, I now I must walk the works of him that sent me. Praise God. Are you seeing what I'm trying to tell you? Uh-huh. So that, those works, when God is speaking about those works, he speaks of them as his own works. These are my, my works, my works, my works, my works, my works. Now, those works, praise God, are tied to another kind of coming. When he says, it will come again, I will come to you again, and, re- and I will receive you unto myself. That 
coming again is amen Thank you, Father. In Isaiah chapter 62. Thank you, Father. Isaiah chapter 62. Amen. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Verse 10, Isaiah 62, verse 10. It says, go through. Go through the gates. Then prepare thee the way of the people. This is a progression. It's actually talking about progression in the kingdom. Praise God. The first, the first thing anybody does in the kingdom is to go through the gates. Right? That's the first, the first part of the kingdom you, deal, you, you meet are called the gates. The gates. They are the gates that usher you into the realm of praise, right? The gates of praise. Now, it says, go through. Go through the gates. Then after you, you are through the gates, it says, prepare the way of the people. Then after you've prepared the way, so there is the way of the people. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's the way of what? The way of the people. Then after you prepare the way, the way of the people is actually the, the, the sanctuary is the first way. You know, we, we, just, we spoke about the new and living way. The new and living way is another way. Anybody who's entering the new and living way has already been on the way since before new way. And a living way. New and living way. So the, a new and living way. It's a new living way. Praise God. But there are already people of the way. They are actually way men. Ways, people who have custom. You cannot, be a, you cannot be a servant of the sanctuary without being a soul of the way. You get what I'm trying to say? In fact, the sanctuary... Is actually a way. It's the way that they put first before you find the highway. The highway is the way that leads to the high and the holy place. Praise God. It says, Behold, the Lord had proclaimed unto the end of the, earth, of the world, right? Say ye to who? That's verse 11. But before then, verse 10, we're saying, Prepare ye the way first, right? Then cast up, cast up the highway, right? So there's the way and then there's the highway. Then gather out the stones, lift up for a standard for the people. Then when the highway has been prepared, you are seeing the, where we are right now. We spoke about entrance through the gate, then the, the opening of a way, preparation of a way. Then after a while, you now begin the season of preparing a highway to that word, a highway, they didn't just say prepare. They say cast it up. 
is actually an upward way. Right? It's, it's the, way, the way up. And I was, I was saying when I say up, up, up here, we're not talking about going to heaven, we're talking about up. The height, in the, in the sense of praise of God, say the high and lofty one, that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him that is of what a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So we're talking about height, not heaven. We're talking about the height that was there before anything called heaven was created. The height where God is. So that is the, the upward way. Say upward way. So it's not just a way. It's an upward way. Or it's called what? A highway. So it's a highway that must be cast up. So this, that thing called the new and living way is this way they are speaking about. So gather out the stones and then lift up what? A standard for the people. The purpose of gathering of stones. Say gather the stones. Lift up a standard. Now when I see that phrase, I'm just seeing exactly what Joshua did. How many of you remember what Joshua did? It was by, this, by the Lord. The Lord moved him that when you don't just cross the Jordan, from Jordan, take out, you must take out stones. And then what do you do with the stones? You must what? Lay them somewhere as almost like a memorial. It was a memorial of that miracle of passage. That is a standard. Yes. So it means that, that what they are telling you is that anybody, these people who will pass this way, now, the time when this way is cast up, you know, you know these, these prophetic books, these are the books of, this is the book that is interpreting, is interpreting the warfare, right? So this chapter to me is very, very clear to me. That this chapter is talking about, um, remember what we're saying concerning that first company? what they have to do, right? This operation here of that first company, what they have to do. The purpose of the first company is for the lifting up of a standard that the multitude will follow. Afterward, I show a great multitude which no man could number, all of them could follow because the standard had been lifted. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So this conversation is for that company who will lift the standard. For such people, when they got to this place, after the way way had been prepared, they got to a point where normally you won't see any way forward because of a giant veil. But there was, there's a, by by the prophetic operation of God, they are able to break into the season of a casting up of a highway. There will be a time when a highway must be cast up. I'm talking about inside of souls. That ceiling where, where man, that thing, that limitation, whatever it is in the hearts of men that makes God completely veiled and in no, non-conversation to men. There will be souls who will get there and who will be helped for a highway to be cast up. Is a is a season. Is a, a great season, a season where the high, high, say highway, highway. say highway. highway, where highway can be cast up. 
That's what they are just trying to do. That's what heaven is trying to do. These thoughts, what they are teaching you, they are teaching you the things that pertain to the highway now. So, you know how oblivious you are to God now, right now. Now, when you open God's heart and check his dream concerning you, the dream God has for you is to, to move beyond a season which you don't know anything about right now. Because these things, you, must, you have to experience them. There are some of us, you are in seasons in inward that you never ever thought about. There are ways, there are, there are ways you know, there are things you know about Christ that you could never have envisioned, let's say 10 years ago. You didn't even know that Christ is even to this level, to this point. You didn't even know. You didn't even know that there's anything like this in Christianity. You, you are just, all you knew is just go to church, come back. But this Bible has been in your house for the whole time. You've been there, they read it to you, morning devotion, everything. I, I, I'm just trying to tell you a sense of how oblivious someone can be to a thing. And then mercy happens and they come into it. Now, do you, do you, do you think that now the, the, the sight you have, the, the little experience you have in Christ, the knowledge you have now, you think God just, it just happened, God just by chance. And, no. It, see, it says forever your word is settled in heaven. This word has been, they have kept it. He said, for I know the thoughts I have towards you. This thought, I pray God's thought concerning you. He said, they are thoughts of good. They are not of evil. They are actually to bring you to an expected end. An end that is expected. So what I'm telling you is that there is a you in the mind of God that knows him. There is a you in the mind of God that exists without veils towards him. There is a you in the mind of God that can interpret his works and do them. There's a you in the mind of God that can understand his love, that can understand his language. There is a you in the mind of God that can participate in the conversation that the father has with the son. Are you, I mean, if you believe it, it's okay if you don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Even if you say you don't believe it, I, I don't mind. You're not moving me. me, me Praise God. Me, I have, to, I have to ask myself if I believe sometimes. Praise God. But when I try to ask myself if I believe it, I, I, I know too much to know that that does not matter. <laughs> I know too much to know that, no, it's not by that. You don't, you don't gauge what God plans to do with the present faculty of believing or agreeing you have at the moment. Rather, you follow the prophetic stream yes. wherever it's going to. You, when the stream is coming around, you can perceive the stream. Just, okay, we are going on. God, this will, anywhere you are taking me to, let's go. Because when you have to realize that the place you are right now, something carried you here that you didn't know about. And there are greater currents in God. If you've tasted movement in Christ, I'm telling you that there are heavier currents. Heavier currents, mightier currents, stronger powers, stronger spirit, weightier seasons in God that can carry you and bring you to Jesus said, look, you believe also in me. Believe this thing. Telling you. Look, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm not lying to you. In my father's house, there are many mansions.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Cast up the highway. Ways are being cast up in souls. Just by teaching like this, teaching like this, just hearing these things, they are casting up a highway. They are casting up a highway. Until one day the way will just open. Gather out the stones, amen. Lift up a standard. What are stones? What are these stones? If you follow the pattern of, of, um, of Joshua, right? What did those stones mean? When the way opened, right? When the way was cast up, when it opened, then the now saw stones. What are the stones? The stones are the stones are the they are the praise God. The stones are the buried, the buried because those stones were at the base of the water, right? Right? They are the what? They are the base of the water. So stones like that fulfill different purposes. They, they are a sign of landmarks. Right? They fulfill the purpose of landmarks. They also fulfill the purpose of actually of stability where you step on. Right? So but so stone, one of the main purpose of stone is that it it fulfill, it, it has is a sign of um Stones, uh, they map out the terrain. So what I mean is this. Let's say God didn't open that sea or the, the river of Jordan and for Joshua and Co. to pass through. If that place was left undisturbed, come back a thousand years or so, the way those stones are laid in that place, they will still be there. Because nobody has business in that place. Those things are there. Who put them? Where God put them? God put them in that place. Amen. Another way you can see a stone is something that hinders access. Or that retards access in a sense, or that retards progress, or that makes it difficult, that obstructs. Amen. Amen. So when the Lord told them to pass through, He said one of the reasons for doing this thing is to let us let's let's toss establish a sign for generations to come that I led men through this way. It's an evidence. Tamper with the terrain. Move the stones and go and lay them up somewhere. These stones are actually the stones of Jordan. That by virtue of our feet we're able to do what? So, so the stone being removed is a, is a sign that the way has been cast up or the way has been opened been opened up. They moved the stones out of the way. Are you getting the sense of what I'm trying to say? And then when you heap that stone up, it's almost standing there as what? A standard. That this way has been opened up.
Amen. So gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Verse 11, it says, Behold, the Lord had proclaimed unto her the end of the world. Say ye to the daughter of Zion. What, what happened? Behold, thy salvation cometh. Now, this one, the salvation cometh, is actually the Lord coming as salvation. Is not the Lord coming as Christ. It's the Lord coming as the Son of God. So this is actually him coming again. Right. He's coming as salvation. He's coming. What is he coming as? He's coming as a bridegroom. Comes out of his chambers. So you say to the daughters of Zion that, Thy salvation cometh, and behold, his reward is with him, and his work, his work is before him. His reward is with him, his work is before him. His reward is with him, his work is before him. That word, his reward is with him. When you really, are, when you really come into him, so when Jesus, what he's saying is that when you arrive at that place where um, you have been received into myself, right, that where I am, there you may be also. That is the place called with him. Do you agree with that? The same way he is with the Father. That is the realm called with him. The way he is with the Father. Now, okay. So before you get to with him, you have to deal with before him. Before him. Now, it now asks you, okay, what is with him? What is with him is the abode. Either you call it the abode, you can also call it the reward. You can call it the abode, you can call it what? The reward. The abode or the reward is with him. But before you can come into there, there's something before him. His works are before him. So it's very clear now. It's the same thing we were saying before. What determines the abode is the works. The under of a work is a labor. You have to labor to enter into rest. You have to labor to enter. You have to work to abide. 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 Praise the Lord. So, this emphasis now, Jesus is now, he wants to teach that realm before him. That what are those things before him? What are the works before him? What are the things? Are you getting what I'm saying? That these things that must be seen. So, it's very clear that. For there's something key about this thing the prophet was saying that you have to say to them, verse 11, Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed. Are you seeing that? He has proclaimed to the end of the world. Say ye to the daughters of Zion. You, you must say to them, you must say to the daughters of Zion, Behold, what are you saying to them to do? 
Huh? This behold is not behold thy salvation come and behold. No. It's not just a, a chant. It's not a part of the song. It's not the it's not just that. <laughs> Praise God. It's not one thing they added there to make it rhyme and uh, behold. That's our prophet talk. No. It's just they're just telling you something that this is what you should say to the daughter of Zion. Tell her to behold. Do you, do you, are you getting what I'm saying? So say, so the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, this is what you should say to the daughter of Zion in this kind of season. Say, say to her, what you need to do is behold. Behold. It's time to behold. Because you see this access into the world, both the, of the works and the abode. The initiation is beholding, seeing. Because the Father loved the Son, he showed him the things which he himself he makes the son to behold the things which he himself doeth. So the works must be beheld. You must behold it. Am I making sense? Are you, are you, how many of you want to behold these works now? Okay. <laughs> Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So, say behold. Behold. Praise God. Back to John chapter 14. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 9, it says, Have I been so long time with you, and yet, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? It says, He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us what? The Father. Praise God. Let's just read on from verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, amen, that will I do, verse 13, and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, this comforter is not the Father, right? It's this comforter is... Even the spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. So the world even has a problem with seeing him. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be what in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. So, so he spoke about the comforter, or he calls another comforter, am I correct? So which is another, by another means not me, another person. Right? And this one, which is the spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will send him to you. He will send him to you in my name. So he spoke about that operation. They remember that this time, these guys were not even born again yet. So he was just telling them the process, things that will happen to them. 
There will be a season you will come into this comforter. You will enjoy his comfort and enjoy. You know, the full comfort of the spirit is when you come into fullness of the spirit, uh, which then opens, in, opens the realm of, of him, of him, his first coming. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay, so now after this Holy Spirit of truth has been received by you, you've owned him, he has become yours. He will be with you forever. Then when he has, he has, you have enjoyed his comfort, when his comfort in you has matured, he's saying that I, I now will not leave you comfortless. Now when he says, I will not leave you comfortless, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. Right? He spoke about the, another comforter in the previous verse. And he established that this one will be with you forever. We've established that. Now let's come back to me. Right? While you have this comfort of the Spirit, he's still with you. But let's now come back to me. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, this coming to you is Jesus is talking about the first when he will first begin to come yeah. after you refuse this com- receive this comforter. He's not talking about this, the coming again now. Because there is a coming again. But he's just he's saying, I will come to you after you refuse to receive the comfort of the spirit. Then I will come. Then yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye shall see, see me, because I live. Ye shall what? Live also. Then in that day, now, which day is this now? This is not the day when I will come to you. Right? I will come to you first. Then after I have come to you, things will happen a little while. So, after I have come to you, which is that, that coming up to you, is talking about the season of Christ that will come after you've enjoyed the comfort of the Spirit for a long time. So, you now say, I will come as a Christ, who is a kind, also a comforter. I will come to you. Now, when I come to you, that you will enjoy that, own, that comfort of Christ a word, little while. So, when you say a little while, a little while doesn't mean a short time. It is actually, it's a while, but in the grand scheme, it's a little while. It's a little while. Yet a little while. So, you will enjoy me until I'm to do a work. The point of the, the, the purpose of the work of the first coming is to, to, is to do something. It's not, it's not to receive you unto myself because if you take a, the, another coming to do that. But I want to achieve something. I want to push, push you further beyond the vicinity of the world. That is, make you overcome the world. That's just pretty much what he's saying. Do you agree? And that thing too takes a while to do. It takes a little while to do. (laughs) 
We know, we know by experience, eh? not, just, not just by scripture, man. <laughs> we're like, yeah, a little while, we understand. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. A little while, and what happened? The world seeth me no more, but then you shall see me. So, now, I said that this is a time when he's moving you beyond the realm that the world can see. Now, let me explain that now. If the world is not seeing him, but you are seeing him, it means you've come to a position farther than where the world is. So they are using the world as a measurement of distance. Of how far. So there will be a time they will measure, okay, how far have you come? Have you moved beyond what the spirit of the world can see? So a soul that has moved beyond what the world can see is what you call a virgin soul. That's who a virgin is. So a virgin is a soul that has overcome the world. A virgin is a soul that you can't find any worldliness in that soul. A virgin is a pure Christ. A virgin is, is, is someone who has gained a higher senses than the senses of the world. That person is a person who is ready to be visited by Jesus a second time. Why? Because when he's coming a second time without sin, it will appear to you a second time without what? What does it mean without sin? It means without the world. That's what it means. Who, who are those who will appear a second time without sin to? To them that look for him, will he appear the second time without sin? Them, say them that look for him. Hebrews, what is that? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, right? Praise God. Mashibrahato. Now, why would he appear without sin? Because he has done something to sin. What does he do to sin? What was it that this dealing with sin? Why is it without sin? Because of that time when he, he came the first time to you. Between when he came the first time and when he's going the second time, he was doing something. Right? Even your ability to overcome the world is by the virtue of his what? His ministry.
so at that time, he was carrying out what he called advocacy. So we have an advocate with the father, right? So that, that operation of advocacy, which he's doing with the father, praise the Lord, is what um, deals with the sins. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23, very quickly, I just, oh no, verse 22, and almost what, all things, uh, okay, let's see, verse 21, let's pick it from verse 21, <clears throat> it says, moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of what? Of the ministry. He sprinkled with blood both the, the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law, purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission of what? Of sins. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true, but unto heaven itself, now to appear where? In the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then he, must, he, he often, then must he often have offered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world, had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear what, the second time without sin unto what? Unto salvation. So when he's appearing without sin, he's appearing unto salvation. That's why prophet said, behold, you have to say to the daughter of Zion, thy salvation comment. Right? So do who are those, that daughter of Zion are those that look for him. Them that look for him are the daughters of Zion. They are the ones you tell to them, behold, thy salvation comment. His reward is with him and his work, his works is before him. So, That John chapter 14, we didn't have time to really stay on this Hebrews 9, but a lot of the kind of scriptures we are reading, they are scriptures you have to stay with well to make the understanding really done. But what they are just telling you here, if you summarize, you can summarize chapter 9 that we just read, is that this Jesus, he spoke about the earthly, what Moses was doing, what Aaron was doing in the earthly temple, how they sprinkled everything, all the items were sprinkled with blood. So it means that when it comes to blood, usage of blood, it's not just take the blood and to the mercy seat and drop it there and come back. Do you get what I'm, because, because 
you find when you if you when you are carrying the blood, you want to go to the mercy seat. The blood will start crying. Uh, these places are not okay. There are things that need to be done in all these areas. It's because it's not possible for sin to register in the mercy seat. And it's not registering everywhere. So there must be the blood must be applied throughout. Throughout the thing, the whole temple. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because if without the blood being applied to all the utensils and everything, then they will not they will not be be useful. Because all things must be purged by blood. Now, let me try and relate that to your own life now. Okay, what that means is that when you sin, you sin, we sin different kinds of sin. Sometimes now you say, what sin are we sinning today? The sin you choose for today is one, it's not necessarily one that they find with that, that has a third heavenly nature. It might be a sin that has, you know, the door of the sanctuary, that area. You are sinning against a law in that place. It's not every time that you, some of us are not even, don't even have stature yet to even be sinning against the, what? That seat of mercy. It's just that you have the potential to do it. <laughs> it's a latent gene you have inside of you. We all have that thing. That if, we, if they leave us in our own trajectory, we end up, end up sinning against that place. So they must still purge it because it's latent in us. Must, everything must be purged. But when you look at the archive of sin in a man, the laws that we break, Sometimes you are breaking laws that pertain to the, to the outer court. Sometimes laws that pertain to the sanctuary. Laws that pertain to the altar. You know, all those things have are their own significance in your soul. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I'm trying to tell you what Jesus applied his blood to. So when he's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, first you've believed he must go and prepare a place for you. Now, in the time of preparing, say place, prepare, to prepare a place for you. It's not, it's a lengthy operation that Jesus is doing. It is the constant administration of his blood. Right? Constant what? Is, now, you say, oh, he did it once when he rose. I agree. No, we're not talking about that one. We're talking about applying it to you. What that means is that Jesus poured his blood, but I, you think the sin you committed now, you are committing now, are not registering there. Because anybody who sins, you are sinning against the temple. The temple is the, is the building of laws. It's the building that, praise God, anytime you, you sin, temple is crying on your behalf. That you ought not to be doing this. You ought not to be doing this. The era of these works are past. But we still do them. This is the great problem. Why they have to tell him, sit and wait. Things, I know you've brought your blood and everything. And we've applied it for everybody. But we need, you need to wait for the appropriation of these things in the hearts, the souls of those people 
who you have shed this blood for. So, what does that tell you? It means that even though you say Jesus went there and shed the blood, when they are, how do you receive it for your own self? In other words, when does the blood that deal with your own remission happens? So that the remission happens when you submit to the ministry of the high priest. Which will be dealing with the sin in you and deleting its record in heaven. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Verse 28, so Christ was offered, was once offered to bear the sins of many, and then to them that look for him shall he appear, what? The second time, without sin. So when he appears the second time, it's without sin, unto, say without sin, without unto sin. salvation. Without sin unto salvation. Without sin unto salvation. Without sin unto salvation. So it's very clear that when he's coming the second time, that when he comes the second time, what he's coming to deal with or what he's actually coming to do is not, that's not the season of dealing with sin. That's the time of dealing with death. That was, so the season of salvation is to deal with death. So it's very clear that the works we are talking about here are actually the works to deal with death. They are the works of everlasting righteousness. How Daniel put it, that after you've made an end of sin, then you bring in everlasting righteousness. That's the order of Daniel. Do you agree with me? You can go and look for it and read it. So, make an end of sin, that's the work of the high priest. Make an end of sin, then bring in. What is the bringing of everlasting righteousness? It's bringing out, teach the works. To teach the works that deals with death. What's the dealing with death? Dealing with death means that you are dealing with the tendency and the capacity to sin. You could have dealt with sin, but you've not dealt with the capacity to sin. Death is the ability to sin. Do you agree? What was what the goal of sin? To perpetuate itself. The goal of sin is to make sure I continue to happen. How do I make myself continue to happen? Let's kill the man who did me. So that once he is dead concerning me, he will continue to do me. I get him the sense of sin. So death really is... Aha. Uh-huh. Praise God. The nature that can sin is a dead nature. It's a dead man that sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh.
So even when he appears again without sin, it doesn't mean that everything has ended. There are things to do. So them that look for him, who, who will appear again without sin, he will begin to do the things you need to do after sin has been dealt with. Or after sin, the, the, the remedy to sin has been appropriated. Uh, that's, that's the main purpose of everlasting works, is that. The purpose of everlasting works is to entrench a nature that is eternally free from sin and death. Amen. Do you, do you feel like you, you learned something? Okay. Let's just finish this, that a little bit. You can't finish, of course. Let's just, just make a little bit more progress in John. Just maybe next five minutes or so. John chapter 14. <coughs> If anybody will say, let's just ignore these things. If you just ignore these things, then God will just ignore you. That's the way it works. Right. Because what I like, these things are laws. These things must be done. This is what Jesus, when other people were doing their own thing, these are the things that Jesus concerned himself with. To know them, to learn them. Praise God. And that God made him to end up with the with, to end up with his father. And these things, they won't just take care of themselves. There's nobody who will just somehow just arrive at sinlessness. You ignore all these things and then somehow you will just arrive at sinlessness. When you ignore these things, right, you are indirectly saying to yourself, I will be a sinner till I die. Yes. That's true. This is the... <laughs> Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without this, without this blood being applied, there is no remission. That blood, this blood is the knowledge in the blood. It's what they are teaching to us. The soul must know it. How you deal with sin is some things you must know that will make you free from sin. Praise God. Verse 19, yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But you see me and because I live, you shall live also. And at that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father. And what? Ye in me. So, when this, you've dealt with the world, you move into a kind of knowledge. Right? Because you can now see you can now see without, beyond, without the veil of worldliness. Now imagine, imagine that they, they've dealt with the worldliness inside you. How you will now be able to see when worldly things are not interfering with your sight. When, how will you be seeing him when, when you're looking at him, you're not calculating about your, your life somewhere you're trying to hide. You're not, try, you're not managing your worldly nature. When they've dealt with your worldliness, imagine this kind of sight you will have. That's what they are talking about here. It's when 
that has happened, you will now know in that day. So which day is this? This is not the day when he just came in the 18. It's after a while. And what happened in after a while is when they were dealing with the worldly nature on the inside of you that casts veil against this kind of sight, seeing that I am in my Father and he in me and I in you. Praise God. Then, then full stop. You see, full stop. In 20, from 21 down, he's beginning to iterate the same thought that he was speaking about before in a general sense. Now he's now speaking it with the, with the, in the context of commandments. The first one he said, He that had my commandment and keepeth them is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him. I will manifest myself to him. I will manifest myself to him. Praise God. I love this. He that had my commandment and keepeth them is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall. So what is just saying? I see all these things we've been talking about since. Knowing. Knowing. You have to believe to know. Praise God. And dealing with the season. Subjecting yourself to the season where you can move beyond worldliness. Jesus is now resolving it to a place that. You see all these things I'm talking about. These are actually the conversations of our love. That a soul who is doing this thing. Is him that loved me. So, this love here is the first love estate. The first love, in terms of kind of love. There's the first kind. It's actually also a manner of love. It's a kind of love. In John, 1 John 3, he was speaking about the manner of love which the Father has given to us. That's one kind. But this one is talking about a, a first estate of love, which you come into by keeping. He that had my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And then he will be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself. So this one now is the law of operation that will result in the manifestation of himself to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. I will just mention some things. I won't teach them because of time. So Jesus said unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Right? So it's very clear that this manifestation is talking of manifestation beyond what the world can see. So he's talking about that phase where the world seeth me no more, but you see me because of some deeds of love. It's very clear. This love is a particular kind of love that is wrought contrary to the world. Now verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Then my father will love him now. He shall be loved of my father. And my father will love him. They are not the same. You can say, what do you mean? Why do you like the it's English? I mean, I'm telling you. <laughs> Praise 
ですか When he says he shall be loved of my father, they're talking about my father will have a department of love concerning him. There's a, there's a love of my father. He will be loved of my father. He will come into a love estate. There will be a portion of my father that can love him. Say, Father. Father, father is true. Yes. There's a father that faces the sanctuary. Yeah. There's a father that faces yes. the most holy. And each of them deal different love operations. So, the way the father that's facing the sanctuary loves, it's not all his loves. But there are those, but, but there's a way that he loves that is in, in alignment with how his son in that, that dimension loves. That's the love that the father has towards those virgins whom the son loves. But who have not yet come into the everlasting works. Because the everlasting works will produce and provoke another love. That will then provoke all the remainder of the father's love. So when, when John said, love not the world, not the things that are in the world. Any man love the world, love the Father will not. That love the Father they're talking of there is not particularly necessary all his love. It's this particular first aspect of his love that must be present for him to give a go ahead for the manifestation of the Son. To my, I will manifest myself to him. Praise God. So that first love, he says, shall be loved of my father, verse 21. But in verse 23, it's different. If a man love me, this man loving me is another dimension entirely. The, word, the way they use the words are different. The first one, he said, they didn't say if a man loved me in verse 21. He said, he that had commandments, then keeps them. He didn't love at first. The word, he first was the first keeper of commandment. And then, is he that loveth me? He will come into love by doing that. Then when he has come into love, he's not a lover. They cannot say, if a man love me, that is that love. Yes. They first address him as a lover in verse 23. Then he will keep my words. So my words here is not the same thing as my commandment in verse 21. Then when he keeps my words, my, and my father will love him. They didn't qualify that one. They didn't say he will love of my father. No. That one, my father can unleash all his love. When that thing has happened, we, both of us, now, he's not saying I will manifest myself to him. No, before he said I will manifest myself. He didn't say the father would do anything. But in this one, he now said that we will come to him and make our abode. Next time, by God's grace, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is time to dream of big things, eh? This is time to, to dream of bigger things. These are, 
what they are just giving to us are new aspirations, right? New aspirations, new, new things to long for, <clears throat> new things to desire. And the more you, you can fan the flame of desire for these things, you pull them closer. You can bring all these things to become a reality in your own life. Uh, this this map of uh, I call it a map, or is a, is actually a, is a is a path. They are showing the terrain of journey, in, you know, in love. Right, uh, there will be a time that your soul you are supposed to stay with it, stay with it, fan its flame, keep fanning the flame, the flame of this thought and this desire, until your soul no longer becomes averse to the complexity in this realm till you can begin to desire it. When that desire begins to increase on the inside of you, the the increase of the desire, of course, as a gift of mercy that will be given to the soul, you will begin to see the, your heart will begin to conceptualize the works. You will begin to see the works. See, those, those two key seasons, those are the two key seasons they want to bless us with. The, key, the season first of what he called, I will manifest myself to him. That season. Right? Which that season is the culmination of something, of your rejection of the world. When you've rejected the world, you will culminate in the manifestation of himself. It's something to desire. And when you're getting to that realm, that place where you begin to see manifestation, within that manifestation become an impregnation in your heart for the abode. A soul who, who Jesus has been manifested to, think who think no other thing. That's the one they call, if a man love me, that one is a, that one is a lover, a soul that has just one desire, just the abode of the Father. Now, I have a, I have a question for you. Are these things not good thoughts? When you say I have thoughts for you, they are thoughts of good and not of evil. Can, can anybody think this concerning you? Awesome, beautiful, wonderful. Imagine living on the earth and you found your abode. You found a home like Jesus did. Walking. Father, we thank you. Bless you. Bless you. Father, we allow our hearts to to make consideration, to take thought upon these things. Lord, we avail our faculties the depths of our soul, our mind and heart. We avail it to the flow of mercy. The mercy that carries this promise. Help us, Lord. Help us. That by this revelation, seed, we will receive seed. 
seed for these things. Lord, I pray tonight that no heart that has heard this, Lord, will fall short of this expectation. This hope will not be aborted. It will stand in us as an anchor, sure and steadfast. I will enter into that within the veil. Thank you, Father. Thank you for we are moving into times of greater light, greater illumination, more clarity. You will speak even more clearly concerning these things. Thank you for the gift of revelation, the gift of understanding that you've blessed every heart with. Holy Spirit, you are the searcher of the depths. These things are yours. They are committed to you. We pray that you would bless our souls with them. Continue to speak them. Continue to animate them. Cause our heart, Lord, to, to strike a chord. May it strike a deep chord within us. And let agreement begin to be formed. Thank you, our Father. Release your blessing, Lord. The blessing of the Spirit of this message. Let it rest upon every heart. Thank you for everything tonight. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for grace to stay connected, attentive, to hear and to listen and to feast at this table. We give all the praise. We pray this, this thing will open up even more. If we open up even more, Lord, it will come, come like a river flowing into our heart from yours. Thank you, our God. We give all the praise to your name tonight. We have received with thanksgiving, not as ungrateful children, but taking that it took the blood, it took so much for these things to be available. So we give glory to your name. We thank you, our Father. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. <laughs> Amen. Between the cherubim shine you dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.